Welcome, my name is Roger Lusala. I'm the chair of the Human Rights Commission. And uh, thank you all for being here for the 39th annual Human Rights Award Breakfast. We are especially excited this year because it's the 60th year of uh, anniversary of our Human Rights Commission. And uh, formed as the Human, Human Relations Commission in 1963, its original goal was to address racial and uh, religious bias, bigotry, prejudice, and uh, specifically in the area of housing. He was a pioneer in Iowa at the time. Only Des Moines and Devonport had uh, other commission before us. Over the year, the commission began to look at the inequity in not only housing, but also employment, public accommodation, education, and credit. It now also supports a wide variety of programming addressing diverse topic focus on equity, inclusion, and actively involved in administering racial equity grant and social justice. That's something that we are very proud of in Iowa City. So, happy 60 years to us. Before we proceed, I would like to acknowledge some hard truth. We meet today in the community of Iowa City, which now occupies the homeland of Native American nations, to whom we owe our commitment and dedication. The area of Iowa City was within the homeland of the Iowa Miskwaki and Sauk, and because history is complex and time goes far back beyond memories, we also acknowledge the ancient connection of many other indigenous people here. The histories of broken treaties and forced removal that dispossessed indigenous people of their homeland was and is an act of colonization and genocide that we cannot erase. We implore the Iowa City community to commit into understanding and addressing these injustices as we work toward equity, restoration, and Reparation. Thank you again, guys, for being here. At this moment, I'd like to introduce you guys to my fellow commissioner. Uh, when I call your name, please step forward. I know there's a few of them here. Commissioner Doug Kolash. <laughs> commissioner Bijou Maliabo. <laughs> commissioner John V. Pania. Commissioner Mark Priest and Commissioner Viana Kadura. We are also missing a couple of them today, but they are with us in spirit. That's Commissioner Ahmed Ismail, Commissioner Sylvia John, who's also the Vice Chair, and Commissioner Kelsey Paul Sean. They are all either on assignment or work-related trips. This is the great people that I get the privilege uh, to work with on a daily basis. So thank you guys for what you do. That's been going. 
We also would like to acknowledge any elected official in the audience. So please stand so we can thank you for all the work that you do. Thank you all for your service. Last but not least, I would like to acknowledge one of our staff. Uh, she's really the brain and the power behind everything we do. Not only the support that she provides to us, but also to the city of Iowa City. She also organizes amazing events like this. So we'll be amazed if we do not recognize her. That's our city of Iowa City equity director and human rights coordinator, Stephanie Bauer. Well, all that being said, we are really here to listen to amazing story, to recognize some amazing people that we are so privileged to have in our community. So I will uh, call Commissioner Doug Kolash to come uh, tell us the amazing story and to recognize the amazing people that we have here today. So thank you for coming. Thank you, Commissioner LaSala. Good morning. The first award that we will present today is the Bill Reagan Community Award. This award was established in 1984 to recognize outstanding contributions by a business or organization to human rights. It was named, renamed after Bill Reagan in 2013 in memory of his exemplary service to the disabled community during his years as Executive Director of the ARC of Southeast Iowa. Our honoree has been serving the community for 43 years. The Domestic Violence Intervention Program provides comprehensive support services to survivors of domestic abuse. Focusing on both immediate and long-term safety, DVIP assists almost 400 women, children, and men every year. Since May of 2020, calls to DVIP's crisis hotline have increased by 28%. In the past five years, it has served 38% more survivors in its shelter. It is distressing that the demand is there, but we are so fortunate to have DVIP here to help. DVIP constantly innovates to better serve survivors. Its existing shelter opened in 1993. In 2010, it added a transitional housing program to provide a full year of support to clients who need it. In 2017, it dedicated shelter space to house animals so survivors could bring their pets with them, which is important as almost 70% of domestic violence victims report having pets, and abusers often injure and at times even kill pets to create an environment of fear. The pet space, named Cooper's House, was expanded to include outside dog runs and kennels in 2022. Since its shelter is at capacity 365 days a year, DVIP is in the midst of a $6 million campaign to build a new emergency shelter, which will double its capacity. Plans for the new shelter include state-of-the-art security, pod-style suites, private meeting rooms, and 24-hour staffing to provide counseling, support, and advocacy. Since DVIP serves eight counties in Southeast Iowa, the need is great. I'd like to invite Bronis Pertit, Director of Client Advocacy Services, to accept the Bill Reagan Community Award.
Good morning, everybody. I am Bronis Petit. I feel like you gave my speech. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. My name is Bronis Petit, and it is a pleasure to be with you this morning. I want to thank the Human Rights Commission for this great award and acknowledgement um, for an agency that I am so passionate about. Um, I am the Director of Client Advocacy Services for DVIP. I oversee our eight-county operation and our crisis line, and I have had the privilege of being with this organization for the past 13 years, um, firsthand being able to experience the incredible work that we do um, on behalf of victims and survivors. So for the past 43, 44 years, DVIP has empowered victim survivors to make their own choices for their families and lives by providing emergency and safe shelter, information, support, and other comprehensive crisis intervention services. We are a resource that uh, is available to help make difficult and life-altering decisions. And every year we respond to more than 15,000 requests for services. Every night we shelter 40 individuals, and I don't know if majority of you know that more than half of our residents in shelter are children. Um, in fall of 2024, we're going to double our capacity um, by building a new shelter that we're really proud to be able to build in this community. Um, it's through the Finding Safety and Building Hope new shelter campaign. Um, today, with a broad network of community support in all eight of our counties, we continue to look forward to growth and social change in order to create a life free of violence um, for everybody, every single one of our citizens. And so I've got some statistics, some are similar, some are a little different, that I wanna share. Over the past 44 years, DVIP has provided shelter to over 10,200 women, children, and men. And I wanna stress men as well, because there still are misconceptions out there that men are not able to be victims of domestic violence, and we serve anybody that presents. Um, we helped 2,452 individuals this past year. 1,433 of them were from Johnson County alone. From 2017 to 2022, DVIP experienced a 71% increase in individuals in need of services in our entire service region. And in fiscal year 2022, DVIP experienced a 39% increase in need within our rural communities alone. DVIP provided emergency shelter to 354 clients in fiscal year 2023, totaling 18,131 nights of safety in shelter to those who are our most vulnerable in our communities. And because our emergency shelter runs 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, is full 365 days a year, um, we diverted an additional 350 survivors to other programs, hotels, or alternative housing choices. And so October 2023 is where we are. We have a shelter campaign going on. Super proud that 74% of our funding has already been raised of our $6 million goal. And so I just want to thank you on behalf of our entire organization for the support down through the years. This is our base um, community. I love this community. I am from this community. I live in this community. I'm a product of this community. So I just want to say thank you on behalf of the whole team. Thank you for recognizing us on today.
Our next award is the Isabel Turner Award. Isabel Turner was one of those people who was everywhere doing everything. As part of the Citizens Advisory Committee to what is now the Metropolitan Planning Organization of Johnson County, she helped develop the countywide transportation plan. She served on the Human Rights Commission from 1981 to 1984. Until her death in 1985, she volunteered in many areas for many years, always fighting for the rights of individuals to receive fair treatment. Our honoree, Tashundra Marshall, exemplifies Isabel's spirit. Many community members may know Tashundra from the work she has done over the past 15 years at the Housing Fellowship, which is a local nonprofit providing affordable housing in Johnson County. Others may know her as an active parent in the Iowa City community, having been involved in the busy daily academic and extracurricular activities that mean so much. One thing that all who have met her know is that Tashundra is committed to helping others and doing so in a respectful, kind, and supportive way. Tashundra's role as Chief Operating Officer at the Housing Fellowship makes her not only a key representative for the agency, but a vital and caring face for those she serves each day. It is one amazing feat to navigate the rules and regulations that come with the funding of affordable housing and its layers upon layers of required government compliance. And Tashundra not only does it, but she makes it look easy. And if that isn't enough to keep her occupied, she is often the first person who clients meet as they work closely with her to make their way through difficult financial and critical housing circumstances. All of this patience, care, and skill served her and the fellowship's families well over the past few years, as staff dealt with an unprecedented period of pandemic-related stress, confusion, and fear. During this time, Tashundra put her head down, researched, collaborated, and learned about new funding sources and requirements, assisted those on the verge of losing everything, and provided gentle and clear guidance that helped lead the fellowship to where it is now. Her University of Iowa sociology degree clearly continues to bolster her skills in this difficult work, and sometimes her certification as a tax credit professional takes a back seat to address those more urgent matters. The Housing Fellowship believes that if a person can afford their rent, utilities, and insurance, with money available at the end of the day for food and other necessities, and if they like where they live, they will stay. And not only will they stay, but they will thrive. Safe, permanent, and decent housing contributes to the stability of families, neighborhoods, the economy, and our community. It is people like Tashunder who make the Housing Fellowship a continued community success as she exemplifies the mission of providing safe, decent, and affordable housing. Please welcome this year's recipient of the Isabel Turner Award, Tashundra Marshall. I'm a little out of my comfort zone here. <laughs> so I wrote a speech down so I can stay on track this morning. So good morning. I would like to thank the Human Rights Commission for selecting me as a recipient to receive this award. I would like to congratulate all the other recipients on this morning. I would also like to thank Jessica and Dino for the nomination. 
<laughs> um, I would also like to thank my colleagues from work, both press and present. My family is here supporting me this morning for all the work that they've supported me to do, for all the work that we do at the Housing Fellowship. It's truly an honor to be standing here this morning. All that know me know that my preference is truly to be in the background. I don't want to be on the front line. I prefer to be in the background. So when I heard about this um, award that I was receiving this award, I could not believe it. I was like, no. And then I heard that I would have to give a speech. I was like, no. <laughs> I don't want to do any of that. I don't want to talk about myself. I just want to stay in my office and do my work. <laughs> but I am here this morning and I'm truly humbled, truly grateful to be standing here. Um, my, my friends and my family is here. The only request from my kids this morning was that I not embarrass them. So I'm going to try to keep my end of the deal. <laughs> um, I've had the privilege of working for the Housing Fellowship for the past 15 years. An organization, as you heard, whose mission is to ensure access to housing that is affordable. I'm honored to be a part of the fight we strive each day to make all aware that housing is a human right and access to housing is a basic need. While there are others that are on the front line every day in this fight, I'm truly honored and I'm able to stand behind, guiding, leading, lending a helping hand, being a voice of reason, being a voice for those perhaps that don't feel like they have a voice of their own. Which brings me to the reason that we are all here this morning, is the people that we are serving. All of us meet people each and every day at different avenues in their life, and we are here serving, helping in whatever way that we can. Um, and I don't think that she knows this, and it's a phrase that we hear all the time, and I've heard it many, many times, but it wasn't until she said it that it truly hit me. Marianne Dennis, who was the executive director from the Housing Fellowship for a really long time. She said something early in my career, and it's a social work saying, that you have to meet people where they are. And I've heard it before, but when she said it, it hit me in a different way, doing what we do on an everyday basis. So each day, everybody that comes through our doors, we try to meet them where they are. No judgment, just lending a helping hand to wherever they are, however they are. Um, seeing the journeys of the people that we serve each and every day is truly a joy. Our tenants love us, well, most of them. <laughs> but we provide safe, decent, permanent, affordable housing for as long as they need it. It brings us such joy. We've had tenants to see our tenants when they come in that their children are babies and now they're graduating from college. Our tenants who've lived with us long enough and they've been stable and long enough to move on from us into home ownership. When we hear those stories and we see those people, it just, it just brings joy to us to know that we are making a difference in their lives. And that's just all it's about, to make a difference in everyone's lives. And as we're here today, we can all do that 
each and every day to whoever we come in contact with, to be in service and of service to each and every person, to be caring, to be compassionate, to go in love. It doesn't matter if you just say hi to the person that's checking you out at the gas station or you're going into your doctor's office, just to be kind and nice. And we, we will never know the difference that it makes in people's lives, but we are here. It's about the people, to serve the people, to be kind, to people and just to meet them where they are. So I just thank you this morning for this award and I'm just so humble and grateful to be here. So. Now I'm happy to present the Kenneth Camille Award. <clears throat> Kenneth Camille was an educator committed to human rights both locally and globally. As a professor of history and American studies at the University of Iowa, Ken was dedicated to encouraging students to work in the field of human rights around the globe. As director of the UI Center for Human Rights, Ken initiated the Human Rights Internship Program and spent countless hours with students discussing the possibilities of meaningful work to promote a more just and caring world community. And on a personal, as an undergrad, I took a class from Dr. Camille, and I can attest that he is one of the most impactful and caring professors that I ever came across at the University of Iowa, and we lost him way too soon. This year's recipient is Daniel Leakin, an English language learner teacher at Liberty High School. He is inspiring to his students, as was Dr. Camille. Daniel has a degree in political science and international studies with minors in French and German languages and literatures from Iowa State University, and we'll forgive you for that, <laughs> and a master's degree in international relations from the City University of New York. His teaching experience was gained in a variety of settings around the world, from Saudi Arabia to South Korea to New York City. Being an educator is a noble calling. However, Daniel takes his role far beyond nurturing his students' minds. He consistently works to support marginalized students in myriad ways. He has helped students get jobs, from informing them about positions to helping with resumes, preparing for interviews, providing emotional support, and even personally driving them as far, as, far away as Cedar Rapids to secure employment opportunities. He has assisted students by testifying to their good character when they have made mistakes that have landed them in legal trouble. He has raised funds for equipment so students of limited means can participate in sports. He has bought students meals and visited them at home during the pandemic. Daniel lives the spirit of a favorite quote by Kofi Annan, former Secretary General of the United Nations and a Nobel Peace Prize winner, who said, education is a human right with immense power to transform. On its foundation, rest the cornerstones of freedom, democracy, and sustainable human development. Thank you, Daniel, for truly developing the next generation of humans, and we are proud to present you with this year's Kenneth Camille Award. Thank you all. Thank you, Thank you so much. Yeah. Good morning. Thank you all so much. Um, I cannot uh, express how humbled I am to be able to receive this award with all of you this morning. Um, I didn't have the opportunity to have met Dr. Camille, um, but as I stand up here and 
share a few thoughts and words with you. Um, I really am mindful of the meaning that uh, his work is now reflected in hopefully the work that we try to do as teachers in the Iowa City Community School District. So thank you so much to all of you, as well as the Iowa City Community School District who has come out to support me, which is such a beautiful surprise. And of course, moreover, the Iowa City Human Rights Commission. Um, if I had the opportunity to meet Dr. Camille, I would wanna know how his experience overseas has impacted and influenced his work. Um, I don't think I would be standing here this morning had I not had years of experience teaching in Korea and Saudi Arabia. Um, I, when I went to school to do my training to become a teacher, I didn't come across the human rights aspect in our teacher preparation program. And so I think that I'm bringing my own life experiences. Actually, I know that I am as I go into the classroom every single day, which really shapes my paradigm. And I'm really grateful for that. Um, teaching is hands down the most rewarding profession ever. There's nothing I could ever imagine or want to do outside of getting the opportunity to work with students. And of course, the content area itself is what we do, but it's the human being that is actually, in my perspective and view, more important than conjugating verbs or you know, learning grammar and the vocabulary that comes along in our content areas. It's really about the human being and the individual who comes to your classroom. If you were to come to my classroom, um, you know, you might be sitting next to a student who has immigrated um, on a refugee visa. He had been a child soldier in the past. Um, I say, welcome to the Iowa City Community School District and welcome to Liberty High School. We have several students of all walks of life, including migrant workers who balance incredible adult responsibilities, you know, working and roofing and construction, and then come to school to learn English. Um, I say, I am so glad you are here with us. And then also, I mean, students who come from other countries that are the children of visiting professors at the University of Iowa, I say, I am so honored to be your teacher. No matter what life circumstances you are in as a student in the ICCSD, no matter who you are, where you're from, even how you learn, welcome, you belong here, I'm glad you're here, and I am so honored to be your teacher. It's really truly the privilege of a lifetime to be able to go to work. I mean, think about it. I get paid to work with young men and women uh, to help them achieve and hopefully live out the truest, highest potential and expression of themselves. And that's what I get to do Monday through Friday all year long. It's such a pleasure. And I know this might sound cliche, um, but I don't have to go to work. I get to go to work. And as we see, you know, in our t-shirts, um, all in for all kids is not just a saying, it's really true, a core belief in our district. 
and every student every day as well. So thank you all so much. You mean a lot to me. I love you. Yeah. Our next award is the Linda Severson Award. This award was established in 1984 to recognize outstanding contributions to human rights by an individual and was renamed for Linda Severson in 2011 in recognition of Linda's lifelong service to the community. Dr. Jerry Anthony is an associate professor at the University of Iowa School of Planning and Public Affairs. He has received the Excellence in Planning Education Award from the Iowa chapter of the American Planning Association one of only two educators in Iowa to be ever given this award. In 2003, Dr. Anthony co-founded the Housing Trust Fund of Johnson County to provide a new and flexible source of finance for affordable housing development. The Housing Trust Fund has disbursed over $13 million to create over 1,000 reasonably priced housing units. The Trust Fund also assists existing homeowners with rehabilitation and works with businesses, nonprofits, and government entities on programs addressing the housing needs of Johnson County residents. In 2020, Dr. Anthony was named a fellow of the American Institute of Certified Planners, the highest recognition for an urban planner in the US, and is the only person so honored in the state of Iowa in the past 20 years. Since 2009, he has taught a study abroad course titled Sustainable Development, the Kerala Experience, in the University of Iowa's internationally renowned India Winterum program. This course, taught in Kerala, India, attracts students from universities across the United States. In 2022, Anthony was named a Fulbright Climate Studies Scholar and spent the spring and summer semesters of 2023 in India, where he conducted in-depth research on urban development policies designed to reduce city-scale carbon footprints, decrease dependence on non-renewable resources, and lower greenhouse gas emissions. Dr. Anthony researches cities as both significant contributors to global warming and excellent opportunities to assess the mitigating effects of sustainable urbanism. He sees cities as crucibles for innovation, where the war to stave off climate change will be won or lost. Dr. Anthony is a strong advocate for housing rights and sustainable development, who is educating the next generation of urban planners to be responsible stewards of the environment while adhering to smart development standards. Please join me in recognizing Dr. Jerry Anthony with this year's Linda Severson Award. Well, uh, I'm really honored to be here. Uh, by the way, whoever wrote that introduction, meet me after this. I need some more writing to get done. That was so flattering. It was amazing. Um, I, I am, uh, you know, so honored to be here um, because, uh, you know, there are, there are amazing individuals here. You've done amazing stuff in the community. Some of them have got awards and many of us have not got awards, but you've all done amazing work. So I'm really glad to be in this August company today. Um, I'm really humbled by this award as well because I was looking at, um, you know, so I'm, uh, you know, I was looking at past honorees of this award, like people like Chrissy Ganganelli, Amy Correa people who have done amazing things for the community and uh, people that I want to be when I grow up, you know? I want to be like them, so 
So I'm really honored to be part of this group. Um, thank you very much to the, uh, uh, to the Human Rights Commission. Thank you very much for Jess to Jessica for nominating me. So I'm really, really happy to be here. Also, I want to acknowledge people that I've worked with over many, many years on housing struggles. Um, Mary Ann Dennis, we've known each other for 20, 23 years, from the time I came here in August of uh, 2000 to the University of Iowa, to Iowa City community. Many, many housing struggles we fought on the same side. Um, and um, Rod Sullivan, now supporting us in many, many ways, Simon Andrew, uh, and Jessica and Dina, who I know in multiple roles over many, many years. So uh, thank you very much all for being here. Now, uh, some of my past students know that I speak for about in 75-minute increment increments. I, I, so to, to not do that, I've got, some <laughs> yeah, I've got some points here. So let me just share, uh, uh, go off my notes so that I can keep to about three minutes. So years ago, um, a famous anthropologist, uh, Margaret Mead, was asked by some people what she considered to be the first sign of civilization in a people group. And they expected her to say clay pots or grinding stones or fish hooks. And she did not. Instead, she said that the first sign of civilization was a femur or thigh bone that had been broken and healed. She said that in the animal kingdom, if you break a leg, you die because you cannot run away from danger or hunt for food. You are meat for a prowling beast. No animal survives a broken leg bone long enough for the bone to heal. A broken femur that has taken time and effort to stay with a broken femur that has healed in a people group is evidence that someone has taken the time and the effort to stay with the one who broke a leg, bound up the wound, carried the person to safety, and tended the person through recovery. Helping someone else through difficult, uh, through difficult times is where civilization starts, said Mead. So let us strive to be civilized, not by living in big houses or driving fancy cars or wearing designer clothes, but by serving others we are, as human beings, at our best when we serve others, especially helping those who are the weakest amongst us, those whose income is less than us, whose uh, uh, jobs are not stable as ours, and who don't have reasonably priced housing, as most of us do. Now, often when we try to help others, especially those who are not as well-resourced as us, the task is daunting. It's like swimming against the tide, with very few people swimming with us, helping us. To quote Margaret Mead again, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Instead, um, that's, on, um, on, that's the only way true change has happened over the years. So today, as we celebrate all the progress that we've made in making this community a better place in terms of housing and human rights and prevention of domestic violence and dealing with domestic violence, much more needs to be done. And let us, however few that we are, resolve to do it. Okay? Thank you very much. And finally, but, but not least, we have the Rick Graff Award. Rick was a nationally known LGBTQ advocate who was serving his first term on the Human Rights Commission when his life was tragically cut short by complications from AIDS in July of 1995. He was a co-founder of the University of Iowa Gay Liberation Front, the first university-affiliated gay group in the country. 
Rick also co-founded iCare, the Iowa Center for AIDS Resources and Education, and RFD, a magazine for rural gay men. Rick served on the Ryan White Care Consortia and the Johnson County AIDS Coalition Board. Our honoree is also a nationally known advocate for LGBTQ rights, having spent many years fighting for equal treatment. Beginning in the 1980s, when coming out could result in losing your job or your home, Kim Painter wrote a column in the Daily Iowan and hosted a show on public access television. In 1998, she became the first openly gay person elected to public office in Iowa. Since then, she has served as president of the Iowa State Association of Counties and has chaired the Iowa Commission on the Status of Women. She still serves as Johnson County Recorder and in that capacity was at the forefront of the drive to legalize same-sex marriage in Iowa. As Recorder, she was sworn to uphold the law, even one she hated to enforce. She denied marriage licenses to same-sex couples seeking to marry, but these acts of civil disobedience led to the landmark court case, Varnum v. Bryan, which made Iowa just the third state in the nation to legalize same-sex marriage. Once the court ruled in favor, Kim publicly urged her colleagues, some of whom were not happy about it, to issue marriage licenses to any eligible couple who applied. President Obama honored her with a Harvey Milk Champions of Change Award in 2013. The Champion of Change Award is given to individuals who are doing extraordinary things to empower and inspire members of their communities, and this certainly fits Kim. And I'm going to add a personal note to this one as well. As a closeted undergraduate at the University of Iowa, reading Kim's words in the Daily Iowan were a silent matter of inspiration and support. So thank you, Kim. And I am proud to present you with this year's Rick Graff Award. <laughs> Mark your calendars, November 17th, 2023, Ms. Painter gets a brand new shiny titanium hip, and then I'll be, <laughs> then I'll be, I'll be sprinting to the podium. Um, welcome, everybody, and good morning. It's a tremendous honor to be receiving this award, named for a man I knew very well during my earliest years here, Rick Graff. I've been thinking of him, how strong he was, how formidable he could be, how wise and kind. He worked with many remarkable people and helped to steer this community through the worst of the early HIV AIDS hysteria and homophobia, which yes, even struck here in Johnson County in Iowa City. He worked to provide care and secure funding and he insisted everyone regard him and all those with AIDS as fully human and worthy of respect. I'm a different person than Rick in many ways. Frankly, it's hard for me to locate my place in the pantheon of those who've received this award. During one especially rough time during a gubernatorial campaign when issues of same-sex marriage were at their earliest and most volatile, I was told to step back from a scheduled meeting with the leading Democratic candidate. 
You're not an activist, I was told succinctly. At the time, I was angry. Upon reflection, I think it's quite possibly true. I'm different, and I always have been. Much of my work is solitary, because much of my work involves writing. That's a very different thing than using your voice in public as an activist, though over many years, I have learned to do much more of the latter as various opportunities and needs have arisen. The truth is, I never thought I'd be standing here to receive such an award, and never did I imagine a time like this in which I might receive it. Our world is calamitous and arguably more hateful and violent than at any time since the Industrial Revolution. Since I say my use of my voice is different, I want to talk about voices. We are in the midst of a war today, make no mistake. It is a great war, perhaps the greatest ever. Most of the human advancements of the last two centuries are suddenly, and to our great astonishment, on the line. Press freedom, women's rights, workers' rights, our knowledge of science and medicine, public health, racial equality and understanding, religious tolerance, and LGBTQ progress into fuller rights and acceptance. It all stands to wash away. This seems impossible, but most of us here, I'd imagine, have awakened in the night with a thumping heart to that very consideration. So how do we win this great war? Who will win it? I argue it won't be who you may think. We have our fixed ideas about victors and who they are, but I challenge those ideas today. Here's what I believe. The drive towards equality and advancement, that fabled arc historically bending towards justice, resides in every human heart. Like a strand of DNA we have yet to discover. And I say to you, the violent will not win this great war. The aggressors will not. Nor will the dividers have any part in victory. The screamer will not prevail, nor will the fanatic. Those who practice peace will triumph. Those who speak with quiet conviction will win the day. Those who build bridges across chasms of culture in persistence and determination, never giving up on their work, will prevail. I know these things in my bones as I stand before you today, feeling perhaps a little unworthy, but with a heart filled with hope and gratitude. So congratulations to all who have received awards today, and thank you so much for this acknowledgement. We've heard some great stories this morning, as Commissioner LaSala told you we would. Um, amidst the strife and violence that are, is happening in so many corners of the world today, um, and as Kim said, at a time where human rights seem to be under attack from so many places, um, and it is, to me, it is truly heartening and inspiring to hear and see all of the amazing work 
that is going on here in Iowa City. This is a unique and wonderful place to live because of the people like those that we've heard from today and many, many others that are doing lots of inspiring and thankless work in our community to make this place what it is. I want to thank everyone this morning and thank you for all of the remarks that we've heard. Uh, it was truly wonderful. Um, and now I want to invite my fellow Human Rights Commissioner Bijou Maliabo up and she will make some closing remarks for us today. Wow, wow, just wow. Isn't this amazing? Um, aren't these people amazing? Very amazing. I'm very honored as well and it's amazing. Maybe one day <laughs> I'll be up here too. Um, can we give them all a round of applause again one more time? I thank you all. Thank you for being here. Thank you, award recipients, for your tireless commitment to human rights. Thank you, elected officials and leaders, for your service to the local and state community. And thank you all for being here with us this morning to honor this wonderful people who are doing so much for so many. Hearing about their work is truly inspiring, and I hope we can all carry this inspiration forward in our own lives. We may think we are only one person, and what can we do? But here we are, surrounded by wonderful people who made a tremendous difference. Please go out and make a difference yourself. I brought my kids, so hopefully they'll make a difference one day. <laughs> um, to close, I also want to thank Dan Rawlings for serving as a photographer. I think he's over there, please. <laughs> Acknowledge and thank City Channel 4 for live streaming and recording the program. They are wonderful. So. And thank the staff here at The View rooftop for making this a successful event. I'd like to... I would like to remind honorees and commissioner members to come for pictures. Please don't go anywhere. Thank you everyone for being here. <laughs>